Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I am Jamie Frevely, and we are here with... Raven Metzner. What are you doing with us today, Raven Metzner? Oh, I... <laughs> I'm the showrunner of uh, Marvel's uh, Iron Fist on uh, Netflix season two. And I'm yeah. here to talk about it a little bit. It's exciting. It's it fun. It is exciting. Uh, before we even dive into too much of the Iron Fist stuff, I, I just want, what's your Marvel origin story? My Marvel origin like, story? Even going back to like getting into the characters and the comics and stuff like that. Um, I've been into comics since I was a little kid. I grew up here in New York, uh, so the Marvel Universe felt very real to me. And uh, back in the day when there was only really a couple mar of comic book stores, um, I would dig around in them for old comics, you know, pre-internet. So if I saw a comic I liked, I'd have to dig around in an old bin until I could read some more stories about it. My mom and dad let me read mostly superhero comics, but they were not so into horror comics or kung fu action comics. They were, mm. they were just not that into it. And so... I had one friend who had a stack of uh, Iron Fist, Shang-Chi, um, and then also some uh, Morbius and, uh, you know, Werewolf by Night and stuff. So like the 70s large style magazines. Yeah. No, no, those, no. Well, those and also, but this, this, but this like the, 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 the comics color and comics and Moon Knight, yeah. stuff that my mom was like too violent. And um, <laughs> I would uh, go to his house with a stack of Fantastic Four and Daredevil and we would trade and read each other's comics. So I, I remember reading Iron Fist comics very young because I was not allowed to read them. <laughs> Here I am now. Thanks, Mom. That's usually the best gateway is find what you're not allowed to read and read nothing but that and just put a different cover on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think also at that time, it was there wasn't a lot of sort of Asian-influenced cinema that you could see besides... Uh, they had this uh, Pix 11 here in New York. Yes. Oh, yeah. These sort of blocks of kung fu movies and Godzilla movies, but kung fu movies. So I love those movies. And um, and so seeing that reflected in a comic book for me was, it was a world that not a lot of people were into. So I thought it was kind of, it was like a good niche, like the, the karate kung fu world in comic books. That was my introduction to like the Iron Fist thing. And then, yeah, I've been reading comics since I was a little guy. So you mentioned Daredevil, Fantastic Four. Who else? What else were you, you know, what characters you really into? Um, I was always into like Ant-Man, I thought was really awesome. I liked the Scott Lang Ant-Man especially. It was like, I don't know, I thought he was great. Uh, I love Black Panther. Um, I like Kazar. I liked when it got into like the sort of nooks and crannies of the Marvel Universe that I always kind of thought that was kind of dope. Yeah, Kazar, man. Such a weird like... You know, thing because over the years he's fought like cosmic level villains and and being part of the Savage Land is yeah. such a cool aspect for a character in the Marvel universe. Also, I think it's I was a big fan of like Edgar Rice Burroughs books growing up and like John Carter and and I loved seeing those reflected in like the Marvel editions of John Carter that were really cool. Yeah. And then for me, Kazar was like in that world of the sort of the action adventure that kind of hero. So yeah, I really dug it. And the who doesn't love a Savage Land? I mean, come on. Awesome. It's dinosaurs, and then you get into like one of my all-time favorite characters for a while. Just hangs out in the Savage Land. Sauron. He's like a giant mutant pterodactyl man with psychic powers. Who's kind of sometimes talks about himself in the third person, but lords over all, all kinds of stuff. He's the best. It's funny. My son uh, at one point, someone gave him a Sauron action figure, and he was like, "What even is this?" <laughs> I was like, "I was like, it's a it's a dinosaur man. You're gonna enjoy playing with it." And he got he was a little guy at the time. And he was like in the park with a Sauron. He was like, "No one will play with me. I have this dinosaur man." I was like, "No, it's cool. It's cool. It's an X Men villain. Trust me." <laughs> so uh, this seems like a perfect segue. Are any of these Savage Land characters <laughs> going to be making a cameo in Iron Fist season two? We have no we have no Savage Land, but we have I think Iron Fist of all the sort of Marvel Universe on Netflix characters. Interestingly enough, has 
one of the more sort of out there histories to dig into. You know, the world of Kunlun is cool. So I do, we do have that. It's yeah. not, and it's not necessarily a savage land, but it is sort of like a little bit like Lost Horizon, right? And a little bit like this Tibetan monastery in the middle with, with mystical dragons, which is close to dinosaurs. So yeah. we're, we're dinosaur adjacent. What I, what I kind of <laughs> like about the Iron Fist story is that it's still semi-grounded in a reality until like some really fun mystical martial arts stuff comes in. Mm -hmm. But I love the story of just like a hometown New York boy, albeit a rich one, yep. <laughs> ending up in the mountains of the Himalayas and finding a purpose. Very and much is. What yeah. I thought was kind of funny in season one of Iron Fist, which of course you're not involved in, but you'll be using as a jump off yeah. point. So he just look, looks like some dumb hippie in the beginning, some aimless hippie, but he's really searching and seeking. So now in season two and also post Defenders, He's not beginning his journey anymore. He's well inside of his journey already. Yep. So what can you speak to about Danny's journey now? Well, it's interesting. Um, looking at season one, I agree. There was a lot of sort of interesting material that in the story about where he was in his journey. And yes, he shows up and he's got uh, long hair and he's, and he's in New York and finding himself. And one thing I noticed about the, about the series, though, was that there wasn't a lot of time actually digging into, I think, into him. Like, I, I didn't have a lot of access to him. I didn't understand what he'd been through. I didn't understand necessarily all about his relationships. I didn't see them because he very quickly got caught up in an adventure in the here and now. And it's interesting, a place like Kunlun to me is a, yeah, it's a really cool mythology. But one of the things I, I really love about the comic book mythology and also about that was presented in, the, in season one that we really latched onto or I latched onto is, Danny lost his family and he found a family in Kunlun and specifically he found a brother and he found someone that helped him survive. And so to me, that relationship is a keystone that, that I carried into season two in a big way. What does it mean to be brothers with someone that you're not related to, that you share a mythology with? And what is the pressure of that mythology, like in a moment to moment basis? Yeah. Did you feel like now that the origin story had been told that you had more of an opportunity to explore these parts of Danny Rand? Well, I feel like, again, the origin story is interesting. I don't know that I necessarily felt all the origin story had been told. I felt like I was told a lot of things that led into the Defenders in a really interesting way. And I love how it blossomed out of season one into the, the story of the hand and where the hand came from and all of that. But that became the, the, a lot of the plot of the Defenders. I still don't know a lot about Kunlun. I don't know a lot about what, that, what were the events that led up to the Danny getting the Iron Fist. What, what does getting the Iron Fist even mean? What, is it, what did that mean to to the other people who are also striving for the Iron Fist. Look, one of the things I love about the Marvel Universe in general is that an origin story can be revisited literally a hundred times by a different writer or a different group of creators, a writer and artist. Uh, and I think that always deepens and enriches our experience with these characters. So yeah, I felt like the origin story was sort of told in a way that set up the Defenders in a great way and Danny's part in it, but it didn't necessarily set me up for an Iron Fist series about Danny Rand. So we chose to go back into some of that origin and I think in a, uh, hopefully in an interesting way that launches you into a character journey in season two. And I think it, there's some cool opportunities there, not just the origin of Danny, but the Iron Fist and the history and, and you're talking about the mythology. And I know we were talking about this even before we were started recording. You read the comics, you know these characters and like, you know, the stories that are around all this, the, the worlds that are around right. this, you know, 
what is Kunlun to other parts of this mythology? You know, there's so many opportunities and, and, and places yeah. in this realm. It's so fun. I think also, I think in the Marvel Universe in general and also the one on Netflix, it's like people are becoming, I think, more accustomed to the idea of people with abilities. And so one thing I noticed a lot in season one and in Defenders as well is that when Danny talks about the things that happened to him, people are always sort of downplaying it or they're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. And like at a certain point, though, you have to stop being like, wow, that's crazy. And be like, no, no, what happened? Like, you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. not be like, not just dismiss it. Like, oh, a dragon. I don't believe in dragons. Like you saw the dude had a fist that lit up. Now, do you believe in dragons or not? Hello. Like, don't you want to know what it really was about? Like, so I feel like part of him, his growing up in season two is that he's not apologizing for that history. You know, it's it's a part of him and it's a big part of him. And it's really present in the story. And uh, we don't treat it as something that is um, to be dismissed. He, they're what happened in his life. And also we really, really tried this season to find ways that his story could be relatable to an audience. Just because, you know, he was in the Himalayas, we all know what it's like to be an outsider in a world, you know, that we don't really understand. And people, you can experience that in a, in a new school or on a, in a playground or going to college. And I think that for Danny, we tried to find access points to understand what that must have been like to go there and then also to come back from there. Yeah. And then what it takes for you to, to get through all those points. Uh, I want to step back a little bit yeah. and think about, you know, you talked about some of the comics that you read yeah. and, and, you know, loving uh, some of the, the movies or whatever. But do you have specific influences that you were bringing and keeping in mind as you were writing and, and working with the writer's room for Season two of Marvel's Iron Fist? Yeah, we actually, we did a little bit of a boot camp. I, I felt like it would be interesting for us as a group, not just to read comics, but to really everyone to watch and, and understand uh, a little bit more about what it takes to make a great action film and also what it takes to make a great Hong Kong or Asian-influenced action film. So yeah, we watched from Seven Samurai to um, a lot of Hong Kong action, and we read a bunch of stuff that was sort of in that area as well. In terms of comics, I asked a bunch of the writers who hadn't read a lot of comics to sort of be responsible for reading a lot of comics and, and infusing themselves with it and then bringing that into the room. I think in a writer's room, in its best sense, if you do it right, it can be, you call it fun school. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, here's an assignment, but you're going to like the assignment. Yeah. Watch these awesome movies and then come talk about them. I mean, how bad could that be? So that we kind of treated the first few months of the writer's room as we were, as we were ginning up stories as that. So we actually assigned different writers in the room, different areas uh, that they were going to study. And then they would present in the room when we were breaking that part of the story. So if we were doing an action scene the different writers who were in the action group would come and talk about action scenes that we should all watch that we could learn from. And the you know, same with our, we had a mythology group. We had a, a comic book group whose job it was literally just to read Iron Fist comics and, and make sure if there's something in there that we want, might want to draw from to call it to our attention. So we have a lot of, yeah. a lot of Easter eggs <laughs> in the actual series that we took panels from the comics and gave them to our directors. And there's characters who, we pulled from really, really minor characters in some cases and larger characters in others that we put into our world. And it's so great to work with Marvel in that way because you're like, oh, can we use this tiny character from this thing? I mean, there's uh, restaurants and coffee shops we pulled from the Marvel Universe to use in our, in our series. So I think uh, the sort of uh, Hong Kong cinema 
of the 90s, I think was a big influence for me. This is the John Woo world. The Killer is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, that's a great example, I think, of what a show or a movie like this can be in that, yes, there's incredible action, but there's also these really deep character stakes and character relationship. Yeah. I mean, the core of The Killer, it's a great example. You know, these two enemies that are become dear friends and the sort of woman between them and I don't know, it feels grounded because it's grounded in a real human relationship. So I think we, we looked at all those lessons in the writer's room as we crafted the season. Yeah. How does the writer's room for Marvel's Iron Fist uh, or even like maybe the script reads differ from, say, like Sleepy Hollow? Well, we, we had a slightly larger room on Sleepy Hollow. Um, and we also, because the show has sort of a different engine, it's a little bit different. I mean, we had a, on that show, it was all about taking a piece of history, finding a monster, a monster of the week. And this is a little different because this is a little bit more serialized. We have a 10 episode season and from the, from the get go, uh, uh, Jeff and, and Joe were like, we want this, you think of this as a 10 hour movie. And also not having uh, the act structure of a network television show, you're able to create much different episodes. I think the cool, really cool thing about working at a Marvel show for for a, a streaming site like Netflix is that you're not servicing within the episode the necessity of having a story built around act breaks. So it's not like, and then, you know, yeah. Danny takes the gun and point, ah, oh, like it's, you know, you're able to grow in a more, I think it's a more, uh, or get, you get a more organic story, right? That feels more grounded and real because you're not pushing towards false story beats that allow you to set the audience up to a cliffhanger before a commercial. Yeah, it, it, it felt, more like the act like the bigger acts you get in in a film or a larger production and just like you're building and you're going through these waves and those moments come as sort of like those crazy parts and it we just you, you keep moving in this is a tough question for yeah. i think a lot of people jackie chan or jet lee or is there another you know like the sam hung or another like me i could just put on any jackie movie and i am engrossed i love jet lee but I think for me, I just go yeah. right to Jackie. It's kind of saying it's kind of saying something about the kind of martial arts action you like. I, I'm a Jackie Chan fan because I I like how he is able to bring in both action and comedy and drama. I think a lot of times in some of his more American movies, he gets looked at more as a, a clown figure, but I don't think he really is. And I love how the real world moments of when he gets hit, it hurts. I mean, I think Jet Li's amazing, Bruce Lee's amazing, but I you know I don't know. That's where I. I think Donnie Yen as well. Like he, awesome. Yeah, I don't know why I, awesome I like movie. my mind blanked on Donnie because oh, Ip Man so was a big. We watched man. a lot of Ip Man yeah. um, because again, that's a fantastic example. I think of a character story that also is it has great action. And the Grandmaster is a a great version of that same story. But mm -hmm. we want we watched a lot of that too because I think it's you want to have action that excites you and blows your mind. But there's no point to it if you're not invested in every moment in in your character journey, right? Yeah. So Broke to, it out. to speak to the action that you've gotten ready for us in Good. Iron Fist Good. season two, what kind of spectacle are you preparing for us? Well, interesting. the use the word spectacle is a good, is a really great place to start. We were able to bring an amazing um, stunt choreographer, a coordinator and choreographer to our, to our team. This guy, Clayton Barber, who was the fight coordinator on Black Panther and also the stunt coordinator on Creed. And he has a very, deep knowledge of both uh, action choreography and also sort of the Hong Kong action choreography. He came up with Sammo Hung on martial law and knows all those dudes. And we sort of collaborated together on a style of action that is our own and is one that is, I think, is very grounded and real and present. So 
although it has a little tinge of the Hong Kong influence, it's really less about being about spectacle and more about being inside the fight. And also this year, um, all of our cast who are fighters, they sort of worked before the season really, really hard to get themselves into peak physical condition so that they could do these incredible fight sequences with much less doubling. So Finn uh, Jones, who really put the pedal to the metal this year, is in incredible shape. And he's been really working with the stunt coordinator and stunt team for months before we even started filming. And then Jessica Henwick as well, who is just awesome, and, and, and Sasha Darwin, they're, they're beasts. They're yeah. beasts of action. They're incredible. And they, when you see the show, you'll see these real actors actually performing the real action. That's very and cool. We, we have doubles, of course, who are super talented and part of the stunt team. So the spectacle to us is less about like blowing things up and exploding things. It's more about um, these are the real people really doing this thing and doing yeah. it so well that it'll blow your mind. So it's it's pretty dope. I've always wanted to take the self-defense class that Colleen Wing offers. Yeah. I, I have... I've, <laughs> I want her to teach me everything she knows. I would go anywhere with Jessica Henwick that yeah. anyone else might think would be dangerous because she could probably just... She could just, just destroy, destroy you. Destroy. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. The, the, it's interesting. In our writer's room as well, and one of the things that, that when I first met Clayton, for example, that one of the things that we immediately connected with was we have the same philosophy for action, right? Which is that like in a musical, when people are having a scene, then their emotions come to a boil. And when that thing happens, they sing. And so we looked at our action the same way, which is... People are having a conversation or they're having a story. And then when the emotions boil, then you fight. But you don't fight for no reason. There's no reason to be like, oh, let's have a cool action sequence now and jam it in there. And that's where it has to get sort of where it's kind of organic is you need a season that has enough rich character conflict that's going to push people to a point where not only do they have conversations, but they also fight. That's such an interesting way of putting a fight scene comparing it to a musical because... I love it. I love it. I love that so much because in West Side Story, they do both. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) West Side Story is a big influence for us, believe it or not. I mean, that's a great example of... And also, look at those two characters. I mean, they're from different worlds, right? And they're in a time and a place where things get settled in a way that involves rumbling. And when stuff goes down, it it gets intense. And so... That's a great example of setting up a, a place where you get a lot of singing and a lot of... We don't have any singing this year, though. No Madame Gao just breaking out into something. <laughs> that would be cool. Just, uh, now, damn, you should have so been in the cool. writer's room. That would have been awesome. Uh, you're talking about this and like the moments where they're not just fighting for fighting, there's talking, and th- those pieces makes me think of... Specifically, there's a scene in, uh, in episode nine, uh, but I don't want to get too deep into that because that's starting to get into spoiler territory. Yeah. But this is a little bit of a kind of a spoiler cast, I, I guess is safe to say. Yes. Um, if you have not watched Iron Fist season two yet or reached the end of it, be aware we may be spoiling some things for you. Go watch it now. Go watch it now. We'll wait. Yeah. yeah. Rewatch it. We'll wait. Because uh, I dug into the last two episodes right before you came. Right. And then the, the first thing I did when I met you, the first time I've ever met you, I said you were in our green room. I sat down. I was like freaking out because you introduced a a relatively minor Iron Fist character who has a big part in the mythology of what you built in this season and then one of my favorite supporting Iron Fist characters who is and I was like oh Orson and I was like freaking out and then the the last moments of the episode so rewind it a little bit and this is why Marvel shows are so great because of this reaction right here when you see something obscure from the comics be brought to life on the TV shows like that's it's really fun I love it uh, my son uh, Orion is 22 and because uh, Marvel you know we have a veil of secrecy he's seen none of it 
So, oh. oh yeah. So I'm. I feel like this is a moment for me to talk to him directly and say, <laughs> "Sorry, I kept all this from you. <laughs> you know, I did it because I love you. But now you've seen it. I hope I made you proud because he's such a nerd." Because I made him one, you know. So I imagine he... It's good parenting. Good parenting, yeah. <laughs> but um, all the... Like Orson Randall, like, yes. I'm sure there's going to be a moment where he's watching it where his brain will melt. And I hope that for people who are fans of the comic book, they get that re- same reaction. Yes. Yeah. dope. Immortal Iron Fist is such a seminal book for a certain generation. Like, within the last 20 years, it's one of those books that sort of elevated... Mm-hmm. A lot of the way we told some of those stories, the creators who were on it, Matt Fraction, Ed Brubaker, David Aha, like they came in and it was just, I remember when it was coming up, people were like, wait, what's happening? This is Iron Fist now. And it was so cool. Yeah, it's interesting because Iron Fist, the character also, I mean, look, people forget, like it's a, not the Marvel premiere run, you know, but it was Burn Cockrum. Like this is a, some seminal creators created this thing. And I think in the 90s, while there were some cool Iron Fist comics, he got a little like caught up in some, stuff that was outside of the the realm of his genre like it wasn't sort of straight dark martial arts action with a mystical twist it became this whole other sort of more more run-of-the-mill superhero thing and i feel like that run the immortal iron fist brought it back to its dna so i think a lot of people love that i did and also i love the the idea that the iron fist something that's been passed down through generations and then some of those other stories about other iron fists just blew my mind so uh yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I, I think the one that got to, I was reading it, I was reading script and checking things out, and then it gets to the Pirate Queen of Ping Hai Bay, and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, my brain started like firing synapses. Good. And I'm like, what's happening? Wait, Good. and so like I, I go and I'm like, this is who I think it is. Well, throughout the season, there's moments where I'm hoping that fans of the comics who have read them, they get pinged. There's little moments in there that I hope people get excited by, but that's definitely one where... Uh, I was very excited writing those words. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not just fan service because there's there's an importance to that character and her role within Absolutely. the she's, lore. She, that you well, she's the think. first female Iron Fist. Yeah, that's but, exactly but right. But to the, the characters, you know, Colleen and, and the, yeah. the, the, the moment that Danny has that revelation is, is so neat. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, thank you. It was one that we uh, crafted into the season in a really, I, I hopefully in a sneaky enough way that it's, feel surprising but also at the same time that you kind of go back and watch it again and go oh this is sort of always been there yeah yeah what are some of like your favorite moments from the season realizing it from conception to the writer's room to seeing it all play out well there's stuff i mean look there's stuff that you want that i wanted to see both as a fan and also as a creator i think and one of the things that's really important to me is to always go back to a relatable core for these characters that's one that is you know, while look, we all love the flights of fancy and the idea of oh wow, uh, landing in a in an unknown place and and striving to be the Iron Fist, you know, cool. But also, what's the thing that I relate to and understand? You know, and to me, um, I have a very big family. I have uh, five sisters and and two brothers, and we, to me, the idea of a, a brother relationship is so cool. And also at the same time, what I wanted to see so badly in season one was. Yeah, sure, the dragon. Okay, fine. What I really want to see is the battle for the Iron Fist. I want to see Danny versus Davos for the Iron Fist. So let's see that. And that is one of those things where you're making a show like this in a grounded universe, in a world full of characters that really are, they all live in New York. And how do you get to that place where you can be in Kunlun for Danny versus Davos? So that was a big achievement, I think, for all of us putting that together. And I think it 
really came out beautifully. Yeah, you um, had said before that you were a champion for Danny Rand. Yes. So as a fan of the Iron Fist comics, yeah. what was it like stepping into this and kind of making... Were you making your own dreams come true a, a little, little bit? bit? Well, you have to kind of separate yourself, you know? Like yeah. There's moments where like, I allow myself like a five-minute geek out and then I'm like, okay, come back. I think also it's one of the things where a big part of my job is communication and you have an idea and then you have to communicate it and you have to get people on board with it and then you have to go get all these people to go and make all the pieces of it. And so trying to explain what the battle in the sun arena in Kunlun is going to look like when you're in February in New York City in <laughs> freezing cold New York, that's a challenge. So I think it's a point of pride to be standing there and going, look, this works in terms of mythology. It works in terms of character, but also it's creating a dynamic where you understand what is at stake for these two people that then drives the whole season. Like, why do these people love each other? Why do they hate each other? Why are they fighting for this thing? What does it mean to both of them? Like, he has an iron fist. Okay, but why does that matter to him? To me, it matters when when you've lost your family and you are in a strange place and you latch onto a thing and then you achieve at it and you steal someone else's dream, who's your brother and best friend, ouch. Like, then I'm like, I wanna watch every scene between them. Yeah. You know? For Danny and, and and for Davos. And then at the same time, look, you look at a character like Colleen Wing and all the stuff that went on with her in season one in terms of her discovery that she was part of the hand. And what does that mean? And then like, who's her family? Where is she from? Like, we've heard little tiny bits about it. But like, what did that really mean to her to grow up and to be in New York City and have this foster family and then find out that they're an evil organization? Like, what do you do? Like, so I think there's a couple of moments for me that were... I'm really proud of. The other thing I'm really proud of is uh, in the writer's room, um, we put the katana up on the wall and in every single episode, we broke all the episodes together, but then every script, when they would first come in, it would be like, page four, it'd be like, and then Colleen reaches for the katana and takes it down. And I'm like, not yet, dudes, <laughs> ladies, literally. So I'm proud that we held it for as long and and kept it sacrosanct because when it, finally does come down in the season. I think it's unexpected, exciting, and not what you expect. You know, it's cool. And it's needed. Like And needed. <laughs> yeah, That's right. It's like the, the, the artifact that is only in use when it is needed most. Yeah, and then I think the other thing I'm really, really proud of is there's an episode that has a lot of uh, Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. And there's one kind of car ride that they have together in episode six, which we shot in the streets of New York. We dragged the car and we did it out there in a car in the snow they're driving and they're having this conversation and i it's one of my favorite scenes i've ever been a part of writing and and filming and it's just i don't know you really get a sense of their friendship and their connection and what it must really be like for two people who are thrust into this sort of strange world these two women who are so powerful and so strong who i think in this mythology as we've seen them don't have many friends like Missy Knight has some friends, but she keeps herself sort of at a distance. And same with Colleen. So to see these two people find each other and have this connection, it just, I don't know, it was one of those moments where it all kind of came together. And I was like, look, okay, I understand. They're not just friends because we say they are or because they're in a comic together. They're friends because we, we now believe it, you know? You so, found a connection. Yeah, and yeah. So that was a really, really big, cool. that was a big moment for, for me. Yeah. You know? um, I was thinking about, you were talking about Danny and Davos and you relate to Davos and his feelings so yes. much. They're brothers. They, yeah. they do so much. And then it just swept out from under him. And, yeah. and his frustration for wanting to be the protector, to yeah. be the hero, to be all these things. Well, that's the great thing also about the Marvel universe is that 
there's no villains, right? There's antagonists. And I think one of the things, I'm, again, it's a great way to pose a question, but I'm really proud of Davos this season and of Sasha's work as Davos, but also just his arc because you get it. Like, okay, I understand. And also, like, he has a point. And no one ever says, like, his methods and where he goes with it are not a place that you should go. Yeah. But, but he's not wrong, you know, and I feel for him. I really feel for him. And he had, he, his family life was not good. And his, you know, and, and his, his life in Kunlun was swept away from him. And you really do get a sense, I think, the character. There's a, my, our hope in the writer's room is that there's a group of people who are like, for them, he is the Iron Fist. He calls himself. Iron Fist. Yeah. I mean, he's a version of what Iron Fist could be. Yeah, you know? if you're doing a lineage, he's he's, he's there. He's, well, he's not. He does. He never fought a dragon, so he's a little bit. But no, but still, yeah. yeah. Is, that like the, is that like the one thing that's missing from Davos? Is he just has done everything except fight a dragon? I mean, there's the process. Well, he could. I mean, maybe down the line. Yeah. In the process, maybe his he, time was just coming a little later. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> maybe he's just a late bloomer. He could be. <laughs> <laughs> but I always, I, I love when villains are the, just the hero, not villains, but the heroes of their own story. Yeah. So. I'm so intrigued by Davos and like he doesn't sound like a bad guy. He's not out for all the power in the universe. He wants what he feels is rightfully his that he feels he's been working for her his entire life. He's also trying to make New York a better place. I mean, he's really trying. And that's that, look, that's another big thing about this season that I'm really proud of is I'm a New Yorker and I grew up here. And so feeling like there was more New York in the series was really important to, to, to me and to all of us. And that was a big thing that, um, my first conversations with Jeff Loeb, I remember that was like we immediately connected on that. Like, let's bring, let's get on the streets of New York and really do it. And, uh, you know, Chinatown, you know, although I grew up on the Upper West Side, I spent a lot of time in Chinatown. And like literally, you know, we were filming our opening scenes like right across from Joe's Shanghai where like I went with my family like, growing up. Like it was like a real New York moment to be like, wow, this is a hero of of New York City. And he really feels this year like he's integrated into that world. So... Yeah, yeah, there was a little bit in one of the scripts that mentioned Eldridge Street. Yeah. I I used to read at a fan fiction show at a bar on Eldridge. Oh, cool. So I My head is swirling right now. I know that's What's a happening? lot to unpack. Well, well, we'll talk about this. That's a whole other podcast at a later time. But but that's the thing about these Marvel shows and what makes them so part of our core is that they're home, especially if you've grew if grown up in New York, like the three of us have. Yeah. It's all these really recognizable things that. Are just like I know this. This is he's well, defending my home. Well, also you want to see like Danny and Colleen as a couple. You know, you want to see them not just be dealing with all these sort of otherworldly threats, or but also like it was so nice to see them like we put them on a date. You know, like Aww. you know, like put them on a date. You know, there and there or have Danny at his job, like in this. You know, like and Colleen as well, seeing her in a, in in a real world. She works at a community center, like putting her in a real world situation yeah. where the cool thing about this universe is anyone you're around could be a hero. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting because you are a fan. You, you, you know the mythology, you know the lore, the comics, the characters, but it didn't feel precious. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, these are our wonderful heroes and they have to be crisp and clean at the end of this. No, I mean, like, broken down. And again, spoiler territory, Davos getting the Iron Fist, beating the crap out of Danny yeah. to the point where... He goes on a very different trajectory. Yeah. He does not have the power of the Iron Fist. The yeah. character that most people expect to be the Iron Fist is not the Iron Fist for a large chunk of the show. Yeah. And then Colleen, yeah. like that is like the victory lap right there. Yeah. To me, it was like so exciting yeah. and fun. And like, oh no, that's where we end. Right. Is she is the person with this power yeah. because she's 
maybe she's the right person to have this power. Yeah, and also look, I think that for both of them, it was it's a journey to get them there. It's not, I mean, you can want that to happen, but unless you get there organically, it doesn't make sense. It was really important for us that we see Danny without the power of the Iron Fist because he's always defined himself by it. So how are we going to get to know this character until that's taken away? He's always talking about the Iron Fist and my Iron Fist. And then to, to remove it, then you understand what it means to him. And you see how much he's built his whole psyche on it. And then to have him have that removed from him and have him face that. And then I think he makes a really mature decision about trying to become a, a figure out who he really wants to be without that thing that he's been putting all of the direction towards. I think that's also really relatable. You know, like, you know, you think you want to be something in life or you have a career that you're aiming for, aiming for, and then you realize that it's turned you into someone that you're not sure you want to be. And then you go like, who am I? And then on the Colleen side, it's like she went through so much in season one and, and in Defenders as well, like what happened with Bakudo, killing Bakudo, like she can't walk through life with a sword and say, that, that, has, that really affected her. Yeah. And to see someone who wants to make change in a new way and put her sword down then what are the pieces that take her all the way back to a place where she realizes that she wants this power for herself, that it's not about some legacy or some other thing. And that's why we saved that big reveal for after she'd already chosen to do it all. Like yeah. she didn't choose it because someone told her anything about her life. She did it because she needs to be this hero now and this power means something to her. The thing that excites me the most about it is that, especially on the Colleen side, is I really feel like it's a character we haven't seen before. It's an origin story in its own right. And it's a it's a and it's a really strong Asian woman who deciding that she needs and wants to do this thing for herself. And I'm so excited to see where that might go. I don't know. I mean, did, did you guys I mean it's exciting, right? Hell yes. yes, it's yeah, exciting. I I feel the same uh, way. Every <laughs> time every time Colleen Wing is on the screen, I like her more. Yeah. So the thought of her becoming the Iron Fist is like yeah, girl. And then yeah. the potential, you know, her and Misty and what what could be there. Yeah. You know, there's some yeah. fun ambiguity left at the end. Yeah, look, Danny has Danny, he has that tattoo on his chest. Look, going back to what you said about the Brubaker run, like it was always implicit in the IP that there had been other Iron Fists, but Danny is key and core to that mythology. He has he fought the dragon, it's burned on his chest. Like we're telling his story, but now we also have these other really important Iron Fist stories to tell. So it's a really cool, I don't know, it deepens and widens the mythology in a way that I think is really interesting. What was the reaction from Mr. Jeff Loeb when you said that this is what you wanted to do? This is where you wanted to take these characters well, by you know, the end of it. It was actually something that is something that we kind of came up with and we were sitting in a restaurant here in New York and 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 we were like, should we do this thing? What do you think? And then we really thought about it and talked about it and talked about it and I was with him as we were filming the the final scenes uh, on Friday night, and we were both just beaming. Like you know, <laughs> it's really you know, there's a way, there's a version of this season in which you start in one place and you end in a very similar place. And I just really didn't want to do that. And I'm so glad. You know, like I wanted that, to that... go. I wanted to take it a step into a direction that's like, oh well, hopefully, I want to see more. And to me, this puts us in a place where I want to know what happens to Danny Rand. And I really want to know what happens to Colleen Wing. And actually, I hope with all these characters, I'm really Ward eager too. to see Ward too. Yeah, like Ward yeah. has, like there's a really great bits with him and Joy and, and what happens with them. And then where Ward is left with Danny was like, oh, this is cool. I was not expecting yeah. this to go in this direction. Yeah, cool. I'm glad you guys are excited. It yeah. Makes me happy. We didn't really talk about uh, Mary at all. Oh. Walker at all uh-huh. and uh, her place in in some things and like there's some brutal moments with her 
throughout and like just getting to the psychology of the character uh-huh. and and what's going on there i mean i that was that question. was that was one of that was a for me that was really an exciting component to the whole series and that was something that we sort of from the get-go layered in you know and we it's a big arc in daredevil that i love and and i thought it was a really cool idea to to bring it into our series and then i really wanted to slow burn it and to play wait and see when was someone going to clue into what we were doing and also to really ground the character in a way it's a, a really interesting character and a really dark female anti-hero but also one that um can sometimes be over the top so we really wanted to ground her alice eve i think is just phenomenal and uh it was really fun to watch her craft the different sides she was so excited about the character and being the character and i was like you're not really going to like be the character until well, she's not going to until have one white half of her face and then never, like we're, we're, the fishnets and no yeah we're like we're not going to be like I was like you'll have machetes and you know and it'll be like you'll sing Monday Monday I promise like you know I I was oh, like oh man I was this like is wonderful I was like you know I was like you'll you'll get there but you know you got to promise she was and and also her character was the least integrated into the other characters' lives. Like, mm. so I, I, she's sort of the mystery running through the, the series. And also I think it's just fun. Like it's dark and it's psychological, but also it's a character that I think, I, I hope we captured that sort of anarchistic sense of fun. Yeah, the, the, that scene and uh, the stuff in nine and into 10, it feels very trippy and very like, she's, she's a dangerous, uh, piece in this yeah this well the cool thing situation. as well is that we really connected her to joy uh, i think jessica stroop did an amazing job this season with a very different take on the character uh, i was very concerned about her <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i was like and then she turned out to be okay and i was like is she invincible i don't even know she, i wouldn't say she's okay i mean well, not like, okay but, but like she goes through some stuff but yeah i was like yeah. oh oh she dead and then yeah. she's not dead and i'm yeah. like Okay, cool. And then yeah. she's like, "If you're not gonna help," <laughs> and I was like, "Badass! Wow!" Well, she's really, she's. It's interesting. She's a lot of these characters over the course of the season are searching for to better understand themselves, and I feel like she comes in the season having already decided who she is and knowing who she is, and no one else wants to believe it. She's also one of those characters who I feel like uh, it's great, like a character that you like and you root for. But they do things you're like, oh gosh, not please don't do that. You know, like Joy <laughs> did some things in season one, like blackmail people, and she does worse things in season two. But she also wants to like create a better world, and she's trying to create a better company, and she's left Brand behind. And but she has a world, she has a life outside of that. And then I think in Mary, um, she's found a new uh, someone she can talk to and relate to, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. And Thank also you. get into a lot of trouble with, sounds yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> Good trouble, uh, enjoyable trouble. I was very excited to, to talk to you. So thank you for coming no in. No worries. And uh, jamming a little bit on Marvel's Iron Fist. Cool. Season two, now available on Netflix. Raven, thanks so much. Man. Thank no you for thank being you, here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Really fun chat. This is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.